Today's, today's call to worship can be found in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, your pew Bible, page 499. It says, uh, Blessed are those who do, not walk in the, who do not walk in the step with the wicked, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits, its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. The Old Testament reading is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. In your pew Bible, it's on page 614 and 615. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on, upon the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to be good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever it is, whatever is, has already been, and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. Right, uh, today's New Testament reading could be found in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. Pew Bible, it's page Eleven oh three. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering." And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now that now there is in store 
for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. I do want to add my congratulations and thanks to Roger's uh, comments about our veterans. Uh, It is Veterans Day weekend, and we are grateful for the service of Adventist veterans. Uh, When a Christian goes into the service, and maybe some of you weren't Christians when you were in the service, but when a Christian goes into the service, there's a witness born uh, that in in a place and in a time that that isn't customary, it isn't usual. And yet, um, chaplains are an important part of the service because the spiritual needs of soldiers are huge. And so when uh, a soldier takes on this uh, mantle and uh, serves his or her country, uh, it's a wonderful thing when that can be done while bearing uh, witness uh, to Christian values, principles, and the Christ who authored them. So thank you, men and women, for your service to our country and for your presence here in our church and the way in which you add uh, to the greatness and diversity of this body. Um, by that we are thankful we've been talking about signs um, in my kind of pastor's corner if you will inside the bulletin I make reference to what we've covered in the last number of weeks in case you, you missed one of them October 22 was the anniversary of what we call the great disappointment And uh, we just took a little walk down Amnesia Lane and remembered William Miller and his time charts. First 1843, then 1844. And the second coming of Christ that was so looked forward to by New Englanders who had heard this message that many of them sold their things and didn't harvest their crops and when that late fall day came and went and they had been singing and praying and out on Ascension Rock and nothing had happened, uh, it became the great disappointment because they were so looking forward to the return of Christ as many others of our forefathers have looked forward to the coming of Christ and many of us have looked forward to the coming of Christ. So we took the opportunity to reflect uh, more currently um, and, and uh, have a little chuckle at the May 11 prediction of this year and what that meant. By the way, the, uh, the pastor who uh, was working on all of these predictions, I saw in Yahoo, he's going out of the prediction business. Go figure. A uh, little credibility problem there, I guess. That no man knows the day or the hour of Matthew 24, I think it's 13, is right on, isn't it? Or is it 43? No, thank you very much, 36. So, um, we talked about that uh, October 22 and uh, noted that really uh, we can see the signs, we can see what's happening in a world around us, and yet still be no closer to being able to predict the coming of Christ than we were 169 years ago. On the 29th of last month, We celebrated, if you will, it's not really a celebration, but we marked the anniversary of Black Tuesday, 1929, 
when the stock market crashed. Now we have had greater fluctuations and drops since that time, since that time one of the most notable being fall of 1989. And some of you may have been invested then and remember uh, the fear that that sent through the uh, uh, country and the economic uh, terror it struck in the heart of every investor. But if you didn't sell everything that day, you probably came out okay. Um, we noted that, that you know, as much as we are uh, not of this world, we are very much of this world. And that many of us, for purposes of retirement and other things, can't help but be involved in these very scary kinds of things called investments and the way in which they go up and down. I know of little else that strikes as much terror in people as the thought of being penniless and being broke and not being able to maintain house and home and all that that means for family. So we reviewed that a little bit and decided that uh, the best investment we could make was in the kingdom of God, seeking first uh, his kingdom and all else would be added unto us. And just noting that uh, what goes up comes down and, until that day when he really does come and that it's our job to occupy and work and plan until that day actually does arrive. Early November last week, the 5th, I took you down a course that I, I have never heard before. We talked about Jesus' eschatology a little bit in the previous and I've mentioned Paul's and Revelations but what I wanted you to pay attention to were three signs that we don't usually think of in terms of signs that are important as the second coming of Christ comes near. The first of those signs was the sign of circumcision which transmutes itself to circumcision of the heart which transmutes itself to the new covenant which transmutes itself ultimately to uh, the identifying, internal identification of God's people, the church, invisible and visible, and ultimately the seal of God. We, um, we pay a lot of attention to the mark of the beast, the forehead and the hand, but fail to note often in our reading of the apocalyptic that the seal of God is on the hand and forehead as well. And that it's really about your choice and your loyalty. Not just about external signs or markers, but where your allegiance lies and what activities signal that allegiance. The second set of signs, or sign that I, I wanted you to uh, keep in focus, actually I'm going to go to the third, was that we move from the house of fear to the house of love. Because the sign of being God's person is that we love one another as he's loved us. The sign of being God's person and being one who has had that law internalized is that we can summarize it as Christ did, that we love God supremely in our neighbors as ourselves. And so we move from the house of fear to the house of love and even as we see the physical manifestations of a world in turmoil, we're marked by that, that we love one another and that we love the creation that God has declared good. 
That transition isn't easy for people. It requires a sense of faith. It requires a sense of, of trust. It requires a willingness to let go of the illusion of control that comes with predictability. See? That's what I fear happens sometimes. We want to know all of the steps and all of the signals and all of the signs that might come at the end of time because we want to be in control. Knowledge is power and power yields control. And you won't be able to control these things at the end of time. God intervenes so that it's not a total loss. It's not going to be a good time. So what's going to get you through? It isn't going to be revelation real estate. It isn't going to be gold. It's going to be something much deeper. It's going to be a deep-seated decision. It's going to be a love for God that translates itself into a love for all that you meet. All those you meet. It's going to be a sense of purpose and community. Anyway, those are some of the things we talked about last week. This week, our texts take us yet another direction. And we focus on some seasonal signs. And these have values too. Because as we read the psalmist in Psalm 1, which was read for us just this morning, we find that the psalmist admonishes us not to walk in the ways of of the wicked, but to delight in the law of the Lord. And likens those who have made that choice, does that not fit the apocalyptic? Who have made that choice, he likens them to trees planted by water, which yield their fruits in season. And we're in a season of harvest. I believe it's the Gospel of Mark where the story is told of the fig tree. Jesus sees a fig tree in leaf and goes to see if it has fruit and when it does not, curses the tree and the next day the disciples observe that it is dead. It's a very interesting story. One worth unpacking and I'm not going to take the time to unpack it today. You can do some research on your own. Won't that make for a nice rainy Sabbath afternoon project? But it wasn't fig season. There weren't necessarily supposed to be figs on that tree. An interesting bit of commentary, an interesting thing to think about in terms of that. David is hinting at the productivity that comes in season. The sign being what we bear in fruit. And I want to think about signs in those terms too. There's an old song that goes, you'll know they are Christians by their what? Love. Love. That's a sign. We know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness. It goes on. There are lots of, of wonderful fruits. So productivity as a Christian looks like exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. And that is a sign of who we belong to. That is a sign of the choice that we have made. That is a sign that will be an essential part of what determines 
your final choice, your final destiny. I think it's interesting that these are things we don't typically think about when we think about apocalyptic. But all apply. And in a way that is controllable. You can choose to be, to learn to be patient or more patient. You can work with God on that defect in your character. You can choose joy. In fact, next week we're going to talk about gratitude and the healing powers of gratitude and the way in which gratitude produces joy and the way in which that functions in our lives. The importance of thanksgiving in that sense. The constant awareness of the gifts of God directly and through others. So, if you have a second, just go ahead and pop your uh, Bible open to that Psalm 1. And let's make sure we're not missing anything there. It's not a long song, Psalm. Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. I ask you, is that a statement of judgment? Not sure? Let's go to verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in what? In the judgment. Is that kind of an end time thing by our understanding? Yes? Is that then, could we say this is sort of a, a statement that has to do with apocalypse? It does. <clears throat> David is making a statement. It's a simple one. But he is saying something very important. The choice you make to follow God or not yields fruit. That fruit is God's making you prosper. And that makes all the difference in the day of judgment. So that's an important thing for us to just kind of pay attention to when we think of seasonal signs. We're in a season of harvest and being able to pull that harvest in is life-giving and vital. And yet the harvest that we're looking for in our own lives has everything to do with fruits of the Spirit and more, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Go to Ecclesiastes. I chose this text in part because I thought it fit Veterans Day. I chose it too because it's absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Talk about a beautiful, beautiful text. Um, There is such symmetry and poetry to this. And it's familiar. You've heard it from the wisdom literature many times. There's a time for everything. This sort of seasonal sensibility. We're born and we die. 
we plant and we uproot and plant again. There's the slaughter or the war and the healing. There's the time to tear down what's dilapidated and not working and to build again. Weeping and laughter, mourning and dancing. Interesting when here, scattering stones and gathering them. Another reference to building, I think. Could also be a reference to uh, death because the Jewish custom is to put stones over the tomb of the dead. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. Search and give up. Keep and throw away. Boy, that addresses the hoarder problem, doesn't it? How many of you need to throw away? Okay. Find the time. Ecclesiastes gives you permission. Time to tear and a time to mend. Silence and spoken word. Love and hatred. War and peace. Poetic. Very poetic. It speaks to the human experience of rising and falling emotions and relationships and all that transpires. I love the phrase, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Doesn't that harken back to a curse we read of in Genesis? From the sweat of your brow will you eat, God says to the the man. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Such a gorgeous truth. He set eternity in our hearts and yet no one can fathom what he's done from beginning to end. We don't we don't we can't conceptualize. I know that there's nothing better for people to be happy and do good while they live. Now I want us as a community to breathe that in deeply. Why do I think that's important? Well, it's in Scripture for one. We've just seen seasonal signs of times of various upheavals and peace that follows it in this passage. It speaks to the ebb and flow of time and history and God's interactions with us in it. And I think it's important to breathe in that sentence and take it to heart deeply 